Hey friends, this is Andy. Chorus.ai is the platform for the vice president of sales. Chorus believes that customer conversations are a company's most powerful but most underutilized and overlooked asset. With every sales call and meeting seamlessly recorded, transcribed, and analyzed in real time, Chorus.ai provides an unparalleled view into your sales and customer success teams. Highlight coachable moments. Uncover insights about your competitors. Proactively identify at-risk deals and so much more with Chorus.ai's elegant and easy-to-use solution for today's data-driven sales leaders. And even better, reps can get started for free today and start seeing real results within the first five minutes simply by going to hello.chorus.ai forward slash signup. That's hello.chorus.ai forward slash signup. Remember, Chorus.ai, today's platform for the VP of sales. This episode of Accelerate is brought to you in part by Discover.org. Looking to close four times as many deals in half the time? Discover.org's industry-leading, human-verified sales intelligence gives you all of the data and insights, like direct dials, org charts, planned projects, verified emails, and executive moves, you need to stop wasting time on research and spend more time talking to the right decision-maker with the right message at the right time. Their team of 250-plus sales researchers do all the work so that you don't have to. 2,500 companies are already using Discover.org to win more deals. So check them out at www.discoverorg.com. That's www.discoverorg.com. It's time to accelerate. Hey, friends. This is Andy. Welcome to episode 612, 612 of Accelerate, the sales podcast of record. Joining me today on Accelerate is my guest, Chris Rosti. Chris is the CEO at Groove. You can find them at groove.co. And in today's conversation, it's all about sales engagement. We're going to dive into one of my favorite subjects, sales productivity, and really get into how can SDRs and AEs become more effective and productive with the prospects that they have. If you'd like to see the show notes for this episode, go to andypaul.com forward slash 612. Before I talk with Chris, let me remind you that today's show is brought to you in part by our friends at Discover.org. The Discover.org platform is a game changer for sales, marketing, professionals. This feature-rich sales intelligence platform is supported by 250-plus researchers who continually update contact data and provide account-specific insights to help sales and marketing teams break ahead of the pack. See the product live at discoverorg.com forward slash schedule hyphen demo. That's discoverorg.com forward slash schedule hyphen demo. And today's show is also brought to you in part by our friends at Chorus.ai. Chorus.ai makes your customer conversations work for you. VPs, sales enablement managers, and AEs alike all benefit from the power and ease of Chorus.ai's platform. Customers of Chorus.ai have seen dramatic increases in their close rates within the first six months of usage and ramp-up periods for new reps cut nearly by half, all the while gaining real insights to help you not only sell smarter, but sell better. To check it out, go to Chorus.ai. That is Chorus.ai. All right, let's jump into it with Chris Rothstein. Chris, welcome to Accelerate. Thanks for having me. Hey. Pleasure to have you here. So you're joining us from where today? 
San Francisco. San Francisco. Yeah. So as we're as we're recording this, uh, which is a few weeks before it's actually going to air, it's, this is when the the big fires are going on in in the wine country. Um, so I imagine you're you're seeing some of that impact there in, in San Francisco. Yep, definitely. It's uh, very noticeable today. Uh, just walking around the streets, it's very hazy and very, very different than normal in San Francisco. But uh, hopefully, everything's getting under control up there. Yeah, yeah. Well, not a good day to go for a long run or anything like that. So, yeah. Um, all right. So, I have a standard question I open the show with, and and that is, in your mind, what what's the single biggest challenge facing sales reps today? That's a good question. I think, you know, one of the the big challenges or the single biggest is probably just overall noise. It feels greater in any of the spaces that I've been in. Um, so there's just more products and, and which means you have to find ways to stand out more. Um, and to stand out, I think you have to provide value and you have, you can't just come in and pitch features and, you know, just talk about very basic things. You have to be able to truly offer something that your competitors can't. And I think that's even more so than it was where uh, potentially you held many things kind of, you know, you had a good product or less products and you kind of gave them stuff in in exchange for them taking steps, information. Now that's all online. And I think you have to be just far better at providing true value in in every interaction because it's really noisy. Yeah. And I, no, I agree hundred percent. It's it's almost like you've read my books Um, that yeah, you have to, you have to bring your A game every time you meet and interact with a customer. I mean, yep. you can't uh, you can't say, ah, oh, yeah, this one, this this call is not important, or this email is not important, or you know, this meeting is not important. Uh, yeah, they all are because yep. not only is the noise something that salespeople confront, it's the buyers are confronting it as well. And so, to your yep. point, how do you stand out? Yep. So, tell us a little bit about Groove. Um, you know what you do and and who your target market is. Yeah, so we're we're a sales engagement platform. What that really means is we just help reps sell when they're actually selling. So when they're emailing, when they're calling, and when they're communicating their message, that's where we help them. Uh, our our target market is generally mid-size and above companies. You know, at least let's say twenty to fifty reps up to thousands. Um, we power a lot of the premier tech companies from Google to Slack to Uber and so on. Um, and basically, we're looking for anyone that wants to be a very data-driven sales org and very efficient. Okay. So it seems like there's a lot of companies sort of in that space. Yep. Um, so how are you differentiated from the outreaches and the sales lofts of the world and so on? Yeah, that's a really good question. Uh, I think number one, where we're really strong today is we we have what we call an all-in-one solution. So basically, our solution is for your entire sales team. Whereas you, you look at outreach and sales off, generally they're powering the SDR team. Um, we, we focus on everyone. We actually started more with AEs, and and the reason we were strong in that area is because Google was our first big uh, user base, and that's a very complex company with uh, many divisions, many roles, right. and so right. on. And we built for that. And and that's kind of how we got started in that area and, and a strength in that area. And number two, I think we, we have a lot of other you know differences, but I would say if I had to pick one, that's the largest difference to date. Okay, so I mean, if you were a VP of sales, if I were a VP of sales looking at making a decision, it's it's the all-in-one aspect of it. You know, that handles both SDRs and AEs as opposed to just being sort of a sales development platform. Yep, exactly. Because, you know, you don't want when your SDRs get promoted to AE, which is a common path, you don't want them to now use a different tool, learn something new that collects data a different way and, and so on. So that's kind of our overall value prop. 
and serve primarily tech companies or do you companies outside the tech sphere? Yeah, it's an interesting thing. We actually started outside of the tech uh, kind of world, and that was because you know I grew up in Minnesota, like uh, like I mentioned, and and um, you know I wanted to prove we could provide value to kind of traditional companies. So the vast majority of the first clients we closed were like located in the Midwest, you know, tire shops to uh, aerospace companies to a parking company, you know, all of that. But then recently we've been really focusing on tech, and and just because um, we're doing more and more interesting analytical stuff. And that's where tech companies are really pushing the boundary of what's possible and what they want, I think. Well, so when you say you're doing more analytical, why why do you tech companies, why are they more uh, demanding on from the analytics standpoint? Uh, it just feels like the, this new wave of reps, uh, especially in tech companies, are they're really treating it a lot like more like a scientist, where they're A/B testing messages. They're really trying to understand the return on everything, and and this kind of mentality just seems to be slightly more common in tech. Maybe they're early adopters or or whatever it may be, um, but it just feels more common in tech with our tech customers. Like it, it's it's it seems to be more of a pattern and. And that's why we focused on that right now. But it, it is definitely going into every other company as well. But I think some some organizations are just slightly s- slower to adopt newer things, and it'll take a little bit. Yeah, I mean, so it's sort of an interesting question about this this sort of class of tools. Is um, I just have seen a report not that long ago from InsideSales.com. They had done some research about cadences. Yep. And did you see that by any chance? Uh, not that specific one. Okay. No. It's and you support that. Uh, you have a product you call Flows, I guess, right? Within your yep. within your product. And the thing that's sort of interesting is they did a study of like fifteen thousand cadences, which encompassed you know, one hundred and fifty thousand roughly activities. And sort of the net of it was was that cadences are kind of a fiction. <laughs> you know, they're doing audits. Yes. They're doing audits of actual. This wasn't people self-reporting what they do. This is audits of actual cadences and activities. And um, you know, unless you consider a cadence one email, yep. which is the predominant thing of what happened, is, is that you know, we've, we've, it's like, okay, well, we're not actually doing these things. You know, we've got these products that have these great capabilities, and yet they're, this is why I see more and more. And I've, you know, I've had people say, like, you know, some of the account-based sales and account-based management products is that, yeah, they're great platforms, but dive into the company and see how they're really using them. And they're just sort of doing the same stuff they're always doing just on that platform. So, mm-hmm. so do you, are you seeing this where, you know, the behavior change isn't really taking place? It's interesting. I definitely um, have seen that before where an organization, they come in and they say, you know, let's, let's, let's really change this up and, and, and do all this new stuff, cadences and so on. And then you look a couple months later and it, it just feels like it did not. Literally, they're using the cadence stuff for mail merge, you know, which <laughs> they already much, did. Right? Yeah. You know, and, and stuff like this. But then at the same time, I've seen many orgs where they go all in and it's kind of a top-down sales leadership mentality of how they're running, you know, their their team, and they are living and dying by incredibly complex cadences that I I think they are getting very good ROI on. And you know, it's hard to know because uh, generally people don't set up true experiments where they say, you know, this half of the team's going using cadences, this one's just going to do the old way, you know, do whatever you want. 
that that's like these true experiments to measure ROI that mm. way. I, I haven't, I haven't seen that much. Um, but you can tell where they go in and then their reps straight up say, you know, I closed 200,000 more in business this year. And I feel like a lot of it's because of that. And you know, when, when I hear that, then I say, you know, they, they have a good feel for probably how much it helped them and how many quality activities they were able to get out in, in the same time period um, from an experienced rep. So uh, I think it's definitely there. And, you know, uh, it, at this point, at least when we're selling, it's typically not a question of does it make sense? It's more a question of which one do I want to choose, um, which I think is a good state to be in. Yeah, well, I guess so. The question is, yeah, how do we, how do we, how do we help drive the adoption in yeah. a way that, that makes a difference in outcomes, right? Because some of the research data that comes out and, you know, we just have to admit that it's, it's sort of self-reported. So you don't really know, you know, the real value between it, but you know, things like, you know, percentage of quotas making rep and, or percentage of reps making quota, excuse me, and, and other sort of stats along that line that serve paint a picture of a, of a fairly stagnant sales environment in terms of, yeah. in terms of outcomes and achievement. And, Yet at the same time, we're living at this golden age of sales technology, and it, to me, it, I, I'm still and people who listen to the show regularly know I sort of struggle with this. Is like, yeah, I don't, I don't see that chasm being crossed, right? Where where the technology is driving improvements in outcomes sort of across the board. Yeah. 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 I think that's an interesting question. I think, you know, for us, I definitely don't think it's a question of like just increases in volume. I think the first phase of these tools was just, you know, it allows you to blast more people. Right. <laughs> and like, you know, reps were just doing, you know, 3000 emails a week. And I was like, sure. that's just, you know, just to give you a couple of examples, we saw some customers that reduced that 75, 80, 90% and they actually booked more meetings or whatever their goal was. And in, in most cases it's that if, if they're sure. truly blasting and in reducing the number of activities so i think that was a failed or at least the roi was not great on that you you burnt a lot of relationships and you made very little kind of headway um, i do believe in kind of the new stuff where people are taking these approaches being more focused yet being structured uh is it seems to be working well but yeah i, I haven't seen you know a specific study where it really backed that up fully and and kind of made you feel you know really really good about that part yeah well, i think people are are excited by the prospect of you know account-based selling right hey we yep. could be more targeted we could be more strategic but the fact is that even for even for most companies are there very few that can live and breathe purely on what they capture through the enterprise customers. I mean, they, many of them came of age building a substantial business through SMB or small, mid-sized enterprise, right? Um, mm -hmm. And it's like, they're still, yeah, we get excited about ABM, but what are we doing with these <laughs> What are we doing with this, these two tiers that we've been addressing that have been very successful for us? Are we still doing the same old things? Yeah. Um, and it seems like I think we are. Uh yeah, and I think one thing that is interesting though is I think the technology allows you to take that what you used to do and and kind of like you mentioned there, you know, ABM or ABS and and maybe traditionally you could only cut up and target five hundred thousand or whatever. I think you can now realistically with this technology uh, do the same thing but target the top four thousand, five thousand. Like for us, we literally know the top ten thousand accounts we're trying to get into and we tier them all, and uh, we work down that list. 
in a way that we couldn't before, at least, you know, in a better way than, than, than we could at Google. So it, it becomes a, where you can apply that to a much larger audience, which I think is kind of the, the overall goal. Or ben, yeah. You know. so, you, so you've, you've got profiles on, so I assume you're using something like discover org or some, some tool to be able to build your list of your 10,000, start segmenting them. So what's, what's your sales structure look like? Yeah, so we we definitely use a variety of tools, including some of our uh, kind of own scripts and things that generate this data. Then we organize the accounts, and basically we have a you know a kind of a traditional, almost like a pod structure with an AE and SDR matched together. And their goal is, hey, you have this many, and you need to get through these and and get as much business out of that as possible. And then we have track every kind of tracking you could imagine on their penetration into those accounts. And, and where we're, you know, strong, weak, we're making progress, where we're stalled. And, you know, we just kind of work through that list that way. Traditionally, is in a similar way to maybe a, a large deal hunter might do, but in just larger numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. you can really group people in, in so many ways now, which is really interesting. And you know the total audience really well with LinkedIn and everything. Right. So with your, your pods, you do a one-for-one matching? Yes, right now. Interesting. Okay. And you tier that by account size or something of that nature? Basically, account size, technologies used, and uh, maybe four or five attributes that really matter, um, such as sales ratio, like how many sales reps they have per employee because certain industries are better, things like this. So a wide variety of kind of you know obvious metrics like industry, but then less obvious things as well. Okay. Like so, technology. Like technology. So. All right. So... Yep. So I'll talk about a, a little bit bigger issue. Well, I think it's a bigger issue. <laughs> it's more more <laughs> philosophical issue, let's say. And because one of the things that, that you talk about with your products is improving sales productivity. And this is sort of a you know holy grail for, for lots of companies. So let me ask you a question. So in your mind, what, what is sales productivity? Yeah, I think sales productivity is, uh, you know, how how many uh, if for a rep, how many times you can get your message out and, and convert somebody to be a true, you know, paying customer or valued member of your, you know, customer base. So uh, it's basically for every one person, how many times can you distribute that message in a useful way? I think is what I would define it as. So, uh, you know, can you acquire customers of certain size um, per person? Mm-hmm. See, I, I look at it a little different. I, I see. I think we have an, an issue in in sales is we don't really understand productivity. I mean, I, I look at productivity in a more economic sense, right? It's a unit of output for you know measured by some unit of input that you put into it. So it's you know widgets yep. produced by hour of labor. And I've I've for a long time I've looked at sales productivity from this perspective. Okay, well, how much revenue can I produce per hour of of sales time? Yep. And to me, it seems like. You know that relates to actually producing the outcome, right? And and it, I don't know, it seems like a problem that we're not measuring it that way because we're sort of measuring productivity in terms of of again activities within a certain period of time that may or may not correlate ultimately to getting the order. Yep. Yep. So, and you're saying you would measure it based on, I think what we're saying is somewhat aligned though, is basically the output of how many customers you get or how much revenue per per person is roughly the same as, you know, dollar per person, right? Well, yeah, I mean, I'd like to know, well, I'm a little bit different. So, I mean, I'd like to know, and I ask client CEOs this all the time, is, okay, so tell me, how many many hours of sales time does it take you from initial point of contact to an order, the first order? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. What are you investing in terms of number of hours in that? And I never can get an answer because people don't know. And it seems like to me that that that's the true measure of productivity. I mean, if I could if I could increase the number of of dollars of revenue generated per hour of selling time and what that means in terms of my structure and the training and the people I need and so on, that that, that becomes a more effective way to actually <laughs> capacity plan, drive increases in revenue and scale and so on. Yep. Yeah, no, I, I think that's definitely interesting. And uh, I don't see that that measured either in the market often. I think there are people that probably measure something like that, but they're they're doing it at a very high level of, you know, here's how much they produced and, you know, here's the number of hours in a week or something. It's not true, like selling time, um, which is kind of, uh, I guess, one of the issues. Well, yeah. And it's, so I'm always curious, I'm always piqued by this and sort of interested in people's perspective on it because, yeah, if you can, it seems like one of the things we talk about in terms of well, let's increase productivity by freeing up more time for people to to be actively selling during the day. You know, it's taking away from some of the bureaucratic and so on. But yep. yeah, we seem to be unable to do that. I mean, as far as I can tell, <laughs> the fact that reps only spend you name it, right, twenty to thirty to forty percent of their day actually selling, I'm not sure that number has changed in decades. And I'm sort of curious why you think that is the case. Given, again, that we've got all this you know, influx of incredible technologies into sales, why do we still have this, this issue? And why, why don't individual reps seem more productive? Yeah, that, that's interesting. I, I do. I, I think it's probably going up a little bit, but I do agree. It's still definitely not even in the right ballpark. And I think part of that is probably because with every increase in you know uh, efficiency, we add another requirement. You know, <laughs> we say, hey, now you don't have to log things or this, and you saved an hour. And but then we say, you know what? We want to know now every time we have a win or a loss, we want to collect all this information. You know, like every time we gain something, uh, we add something. It feels <laughs> like you know, it's just constant. That's uh, f- filling up of that time. And I don't know. I also, uh, at some point, question, you know, how much you could, like, what's the true uh, top of what it could be? You know, if you're a rep and you take uh, eight, eight, eight plus phone calls in the day, it, that, there isn't much more you're going to be able to do efficiently at that point, probably, uh, where, you know, if these are true demos or really intense pricing calls or whatever it may be, I think there is also a limit on that. And, you know, I see some reps getting close to that probably, but there's definitely still too many other things. And I think partially because of that, what I mentioned earlier, we just keep adding more and more requirements on people. So as we look forward then, I mean, some of those requirements clearly could be automated. I mean, you're implying as such, and I think that is is the case, right? I mean, sort of the hope of AI and sales is not that necessarily replaces a salesperson, but it, it frees them from some of the more repetitive tasks, let's say. Yep. Yeah, definitely. I think that I think that's definitely happening already. That part. There's there's so many things that I you know work with uh, some of our customers on where they used to literally copy and paste their emails into Salesforce or do things like this that were just very very slow. And now you know you have all the, all these different technologies helping you take notes to automatically understanding all your activities, taking everything off your calendar that's important, like doing doing everything that traditionally. You may had you you had to do to understand kind of your activities. There's still a large gap in certain areas, I think, but definitely some of that stuff is getting much better every day. Okay, all right. Well, which 
I agree. And I've seen some of those things and I'm sure you've seen a bunch that I haven't uh, given where you are is, is so <laughs> we still get back to the, for me, I, I get back to this issue. I'm just including you since you're in this conversation is that, that, um, how, how do we make a bigger change, right? I mean, how do we get a sustained change? That's not say bigger. I mean, I, I look at, I look at like this, I go to conferences and I hear them. People talk about, you know, close rates that's in the SaaS business and so on. I think, wow, these are really low. Yep. Um, and yet the answer oftentimes seems to be that if we want to grow the business is just to do more of what we're doing as opposed to let's do things really differently, right? Let's, let's, let's change how this is taking place because it, this has been great to get us to this point, but it's not going to get us to where we want to be. But I, I, I'm not seeing enough of that that evolution in the sales model, uh, and I don't know, maybe you see it from your perspective, but it seems like we're sort of stagnant to some degree, at least at least in certain sectors. Okay. And do you, do you not think then, like, you don't think the average rep is kind of overall producing more than they were four, five, six years ago then? Um, like as far as, you know, if you took a rep and uh, the problem is, I guess the market's always changing, but if, if you said, here are your 50 potential accounts, how many can you acquire in, in 12 months? Uh, you don't think the average rep is producing more than they were I 10 years ago? No, I don't think the data is showing that either. Okay. I mean, I, and so I, I think that I mean, a, it's hard to do comparisons, right? Because, you know, we've seen this, yeah. this generational shift into SaaS from posted software. And so, you know, during that time frame. So, you know, it's hard to sort of say, but but I think the comparison would be is, look, if we'd look at, uh, you know, a certain product of a certain type and say, okay, I'm not sure if maybe SaaS is maybe the right one or not the right one, but, you know, if you could say, okay, let's compare what we were doing five years ago versus what we're doing today, you know, is the productivity per person, and let's measure that as a, as take it all the way through to the outcome, right? Orders, is, you know, is this better than it was? And I've, I haven't seen, I mean, I, um, I keep telling people, if you have the data, show me the data. I want to see it because I'd love to love to see it. I'm just, I don't want to, you know, I'm not being a Cassandra here, but I'm just sort of raising a red flag and saying we, we're all so in love sort of with this, these processes we're using. But I haven't seen anything that says that we're getting better as a result of it. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, I don't have any specific data on that. It just, I think there is, it probably depends on your business model. Like some of these companies that have one rep managing, you know, many, many hundreds of accounts and is closing deals at a very high rate. I think these businesses are definitely seeing a difference. Uh, no, you know, I don't know. I can't compare that to someone 10 years ago with the exact same business model, but I do believe there is, you know, there is different segments that are definitely feeling it or based on their process and, and seeing results that are really yeah, good. Yeah, well, interviewed hundreds of people like you, I mean, founders, you know, CEOs of, of tech companies, you know, yeah. in the sales and marketing space <laughs> over the past couple of years. And, you know, hear about close rates and so on. It's like, okay, if that was really the case, you know, if, if we're really making progress, it's, it's more evidenced by effect is, okay, if I'm a SaaS company and I'm closing 20% of the qualified opportunities in my pipeline today, which I think is roughly an average in the SaaS business, you know, next year should be 21, the year after should be 22. I should, you know, I shouldn't, I should be seeing incredible progress in average close rates really throughout this, this whole industry. Mm-hmm. And and at least again, as far as the data that's, that's available that I'm seeing and that people are self-reporting at conferences and so on, 
I haven't seen that happening yet. So that's mm-hmm. why I'm really curious about this whole issue of productivity because we've got, you know, we are in in SaaS business got this incredible engine, potential engine that's that's being successful to a certain degree, and it seems like yeah, we're not not enabling it to be even more successful. Yeah, yeah, I I think we definitely have a long way to go. Uh, you know, it's it feels early yet. You know, even even still talking to many prospects and customers, uh, many people are still trying to solve very basic parts. Like, how do I just give my reps some time of their day back by not doing these really manual tasks? Like, mm-hmm. uh, many conversations are still in in that part, and they're not even getting to the you know the the next part of what they could really do proactively or very differently um i think they're first trying to trying to get some of that time back so i think many many people are still in that phase all right well let me (laughs) let me pose another question and i i'm not trying to subject to the questions it's just like because i started thinking about you know what you do and and uh, as people listen to the show a lot know that you know we get into these types of discussions a lot sort of philosophical (laughs) about where we're going and and so on but is yeah, you've obviously you've, you know you're you you're alive. You're in the sales business. You heard the stat that you know buyers today are fifty percent of the way through their buying process by the yep. time they engage with sellers. Now, if that were the case, right? If we just sort of play out the argument, then shouldn't it say that the number of salespeople we need to requ- <laughs> to create a certain amount of revenue should have plummeted because the sale the buying process, thus the sales cycle, should be much shorter. Yeah, that's an interesting question. I, I don't know. It feels so, like part of it is it just shifted because now I feel like uh, at least a lot of the reps that I've worked with, they're almost like some blend between sales and doing onboarding slash you know piloting and so on, like the the next phase and and some of it's just shifted even earlier. So I, I don't know if that's true in every business, but I've seen that a lot in in different kind of businesses that I've seen. Yeah. But I mean, even, even taking that into account, right, is because something I that's, depending on the business you've been in, traditionally it's been somewhat of a sales function. But yeah. it's, it's like, yeah, I was just sort of thinking about this. Okay, if you look at the logic and say, okay, if customers truly 50% of the way, and arguably you could say, well, gosh, they've, that, if the first 50% is sort of the awareness education <laughs> phase, that those actually are oftentimes the most time consuming, mm-hmm. is, yeah, if they're 50% of the way, they're, They've you know made some decisions, right? They've narrowed the pool from eight potential process, eight potential vendors to three, let's say, and and so on. Is that you know you start following the logic? You're saying, okay, well, hmm, well, if that's the case, then you know, are we really overstaffed in sales? <laughs> because you know the customer's done so much of the work, and so if that's the case, then also why aren't you know this whole idea of only fifty percent of sales reps making quota? Why is that the case? I mean, why shouldn't it be? higher if the customers are in essence to some degree and again not fully but you know some degree self-qualified they've gotten to the point where they enter enter your your pipeline yeah yeah well, i don't know you know i i don't have any numbers on yeah, the no, exact you know competition side either but bringing it back to an earlier part of our conversation of like you know maybe you now give spend less time on informing them you know the market or you know do you have this need and so on but that time has actually shifted to true competitive kind of back and forth and handling you know how, how mm-hmm. you're the best solution i think mm-hmm. in many markets that is the case where you might have had one two solutions max 
that were massive projects and you had to go to your sales rep just to get information on everything and spend so much time in that part. And now you can, you can determine you have a need, get pretty far, but now you got to pick out of, you know, seven solutions. So you got to kind of uh, spend more time on that part of the sales cycle, potentially. I, I don't know enough of it. That's probably industry specific, but I could see that causing some, you know, shift of time, but causing it so that you wouldn't gain that much overall per rep. Um, yeah. Well, that's an interesting thought. I'll have, to, I'll have to factor that in the competitive selling. I mean, I think some of that takes place, you know, prior to them ever engaging with sales. If you, yep. you know, if you believe that that model about fifty yep. percent. But um, yeah, I mean, it's just it's just one of those things that you know, I, unfortunately I spent a lot of time thinking about because it's yeah. like, yeah, how do how do we how do we how do we change how the way things are? Because it's it's we've had this tremendous change in certain segments in the way we sell. But you look at the ultimate outcome. It's like, hmm. At least the stats that are available, it's like, yeah, we're not. Yeah, we, it's like we've rearranged the the chairs, right? <laughs> the deck chairs yeah. and the old Titanic <laughs> joke. It's like, but we haven't really haven't really affected a change as far as the customer goes. So I don't know. I, I I'm fascinated by this type of stuff. I'm always fascinated by people's people's opinion because I think it's I think I feel like something's happening, right? I, I do sense. Yep. Yeah, I'm probably going to ask these questions, try to get the conversation going. Is I think that that I think we're within a few years of seeing a pretty substantial shift and. And so, how we decide we're going to go about this next iteration, evolution of the sales model, and and uh, yeah, yeah, just sort of curious to have people's thoughts on how they see it playing out. So, well, Chris, uh, <laughs> I appreciate you taking the time to join me. I mean, it's it's been a fascinating, fascinating conversation. Um, yeah, it's been awesome. So, tell folks how they can find out more about Groove and connect with you. Yeah, so um, we're at Groove.co, so Groove.co. Um, you can you can see everything there, and then I'm on LinkedIn, obviously as well under Chris Rostein. Um, but uh, yeah, other than that, you can check out our website if you want to learn more, and and uh, would love to hear from you on LinkedIn or Twitter as well. Great. So one question before you go is: so where'd the name come from? Uh, the name came from the, uh, we, we were really fascinated with the psychology concept of flow. I have a little, yes. you know, we, and so we really wanted to help reps get into that, this, this feeling like in sports and so on, where sure. you, you're just in the zone and that's our ultimate goal as a company is to help every salesperson feel that. No, oh, I like that. Very cool. Yeah. All right. Well, Chris, well, thank you very much. All right. Thank you very much. Have a great day. And friends, thank you for spending this time with us today. Make sure you come back, join us again for next great episode of Accelerate. So thanks for joining me. Until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone.